Happy, happy birthday, City Life. Come on. Hey, we're going to have Laura Nowatney come up. Is Laura in here? She should be in here somewhere. She's coming up. You know, we've been recognizing some leaders uh, every week. So this is our third week. Come on, you can clap for Laura. Thank you, Jamal. So, so Laura, Laura has, they, they've been a part of the church from the beginning, her, her innate, and, uh, and, and, and Laura has been carrying many just big pieces of the church ever since they got here. And uh, early on, her innate uh, carried all of student ministries for us before we had any staff house party in their home. When we were able to hire, Justin was one of our first hires as a church, and so they were able to transition that. And when we did that, they were looking for their next big thing. And so Laura took over all of kids' ministry. She's been carrying that all these years. And uh, I know you can clap. Come on, don't, 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 don't be reluctant clappers. We're going to be talking a little bit about what's next for, for Nate and Laura tonight, and, uh, but we just we are so grateful for everything that she's done. And then just for me personally, I'm grateful that her and Nate are elders, especially that Laura is an elder, right? Because, because, because those of us, if you know us on the governance team, we are intense people, right? We have opinions. We, we are... Maybe aggressive is the right word. And, uh, and when we're in those meetings, you know, we're, we're just going for it because we want everything that God has for us. And so sometimes there's just a, a tension that's in that room. It's a healthy tension, but it's there. And, and there's a story in the Bible where there's a storm and Jesus stands up in the boat and says, peace be still. That's Laura. <laughs> La- Laura is the peace be still in our boat so many times. And, uh, but, but the verse that, that comes to mind when I think about Laura, it's in the beginning of Isaiah, and, it, and it's where God says, who will I send? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And if there's any verse that speaks to the life of Laura Nowotny, it's that, that she wants to go where God has called her to. And, uh, and you're going to be hearing more about that tonight. So we just say thank you tonight, Laura. It's a card for you. So let's just pray. Let's pray for Father. We just, we thank you for Laura. We, God, we, when we look at her life and, and, and so many other people here at City Life, God, we, we, we feel favored by you that, that you have brought them here, that you called them here, God. And, and we, we thank you, Father, for the weight that they carry, for the weight that they're going to continue to carry. We thank you for the people that have been, have been raised up in the wake of the leadership of their life. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said together. Amen. Amen. Come on. It's good. Couple, couple of more quick things. One is we just want to say hi to Pastors Tom and Gil Wells. Mom. This, all of this would not be here without them for the vision that they had nine years ago to, to plant this church here as they were pastoring in Williamsburg. And uh, just not just for the vision they had, but with the generosity with which they planted, how much they gave to give birth, to plant the seed that has become the City Life Church today here and in Williamsburg. And then what we think is going to be so much more is we're going to be talking a little bit tonight. So we just say thank you tonight for everything that you've done to make all this possible. Good. All right, so we've been, as you know, in a little bit of a contest here for the last few weeks because we've been fasting, and I know it's a, it's a, uh, it's a dangerous thing for a pastor to stand in between uh, the congregation and the fast that they want to break. So, right? So some of you maybe already tonight have, uh, have broken your fast. I said, I'm not going to break mine yet because that way I will not have any pity on you uh, if I go a little bit long, right? So I can, I can feel your pain. So we will, we will wait together. But one of the things we said, we wanted to have some fun with this fast. And so we said, hey, it, it, on your fast, why don't you put some pictures out there for us and put it on social media and do hashtag PF contest. So lots of, so thank you to everybody that did that. I have some honorable mentions uh, and then I've got a second place and then I've got a first place which you know was a $50 gift card to Outback. So my first one is this to Justin and Amber Gray. Uh, they, they put that they could, uh, these are their, uh, their dusty adult beverage glasses that they set aside. Come on, <laughs> love that, love that. I know. So I don't, I'm not going to find you, but if you're here, Justin and Amber, there's a, a $10 Starbucks gift card uh, for you. So here's my next uh, honorable mention is Carrie Shannon with the empty refrigerator. Nice, I know. 
I'm telling you, she was in the lead up until the very end, and then she got edged out a little bit, but that was a great, so Carrie, there's a $10 gift card for you you can grab at the end of the service. Here's my next one, love Scotty Marshall. Come on, is Scotty here? Where is Scotty? Raise your hand, Scotty. She's in the back, she's in the back. So she, this, I wanna read her, it said, turn down free samples of my favorite caramel frappuccino, thought about it once, and then silenced the temptation with a reminder to myself how much more important it is to turn my back on those temptations and walk away with a smile of victory. Come on, God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. Isn't that great? Come on, Scotty. All right. So, Scotty, there's a, a $10 gift card there. So if they're, if they're not free samples anymore, you can go buy it. Come on, for yourself. Here's my next honorable mention for David Godwin. Yeah. So he had the forethought to take a picture of how much he weighed before the fast and then how much he weighed after the fast. And so he lost 14 pounds. And uh, so now you can uh, gear up with a little bit of sugar on your, uh, and so I had to tell you, I asked, I got permission from your wife to, to tease you a little bit. Cause when I saw this picture, I thought, I have seen those feet before. <laughs> and then I realized it was the Lord of the Rings in the Shire. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, David's not sensitive about his feet. She said, oh no, he's actually written a poem about them, right? <laughs> so you saw him doing his spoken word, so next week maybe he'll do his oh, spoken word about his feet. So we'll see, we'll see. All right, come on, we like to laugh a little bit together. Second place, come on, Zach and Sally McDonald. Can I just tell you all their posts? So they get two, they're getting a $20. Uh, gift cards. I don't think Zach's here because his grandfather passed away, but I think I saw Sally earlier tonight. And uh, I just, I, all their posts, they did it, they did a media fast. There were posts, them doing devotions together in front of the fire and doing game nights tonight as a couple. And there, you know, so many of us, we were complaining about what we didn't have, right? And uh, I just so appreciated their heart. And I, they work with our student ministry, so I have that up there. Revolution Church is faithful, faithful volunteers there. And so we appreciate you, Zach and Sally. So, all right, you ready? So here's number one, first place, first prize, first prize. You with me? It's, it's just, it's classic, Marvin Thomas. Marvin Thomas. So, so he takes a picture of this plate. He takes this picture of this plate. He's got a piece of broccoli, you know, like two pieces of green leaf lettuce, a couple of blackberries, a few edamame beans, I think that's what those are, a carrot, and then he cut out pictures from a magazine, all the things he wished he could have, right? So there's steak, there's, 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 there's bacon and eggs, there's spaghetti, there's laced potato chips. I was, it was just, I'm still, still laughing about it. And I want to have that same plate of food that you want to have right now, brother. So it's good. So thank you, Marvis. Marvin, he does the, uh, uh, is the director of Bridges and uh, part of Established Footsteps. You know, it's a mission organization that we're excited about getting involved with, but they uh, build bridges. What Marvin does with their, his part of Established Footsteps, uh, building bridges in Haiti. And, uh, and so we're going to be doing that together with them. We're excited about that, just getting full folded into who we are uh, as a church. So I just wanted to get a nod in for that too. So amen. Come on. All right. So let me talk a little bit about this and then we're going to get into the, into the, into the message tonight. You know, I, I'm just, every week that we're reading through the Bible, you know, we pick a plan every year that we do together. We're doing the, the beginning plan, which means that we start in Genesis and go to Revelation. We do different plans every year. So if you've not started that with us, just start with tomorrow. Don't feel like you have to catch up, right? We say, if you feel like you have to catch up, you're going to end up giving up. So don't do that. Just start afresh, a new tomorrow. Just pick up and move forward with us. But every week I'm praying, God, is there something in what I'm going to read this week that's supposed to be a prophetic moment for people uh, in the church. And so I believe that we have one tonight that I just want to share, and I'm just praying for that every week. And uh, so Exodus 15, in verse 22, it says, Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in the desert for three days without finding any water. And when they came to the oasis of Mara, which means bitter, the water was too bitter to drink, so they called that place Mara, which means bitter. The people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. And Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. Now I want to jump down to verse 27. It says, after leaving Mara, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees, 
and they camped there beside the water. And as I was reading that this week, I just felt like there was going to be people here, I'm going to share it tomorrow, in Williamsburg, that you're in a Mara season in your life, that you feel as though God has only given you just enough to sustain you. That, that's part of this picture of Mara. Here are the people, and, and they're in a desolate desert place. It would be, right, you know what they're praying for is to find the oasis, but God doesn't give them the oasis. He just gives them just enough, right? The, the water's bitter. There's no shade. He just gives them a stick to throw into the water, and, and there's another whole prophetic meaning in that, but that's for another time. But there's this idea that he just, he gave them just enough to sustain them. And I, for some of you here, I just had a, such, that, that's your journey. Maybe even on the way to church tonight, that's how you felt. God, I feel like you're just keeping me on life support. I feel like that you're just doing the bare minimum to keep me alive spiritually. And what I want to share with you is that when you're in a Mara place, don't lose your vision for the Elam that awaits you. When you're in a Mara place, when you're in a place and you feel like God is just doing barely enough to sustain you, and I know some of you, you're walking, you're living in that place. I'm telling you, do not lose your vision for the Elam that's waiting for you, the place that's going to be the oasis, the 12 springs and the 70 palm trees. For you, that might be reconciled to your spouse. It might be an estranged child that's coming to Christ. It could be that you've got a child that has just run from their roots and you're praying that they're going to come home, right? You're with me? and it feels as though God is just doing barely enough. I'm telling you, there is an oasis, which is the fulfillment of your prayer that's waiting for you in your tomorrow. Trust the sovereignty of God. The place where he might have you might feel like it's bitter, but there is an Elam that's waiting for you. Father, whoever that word is for tonight, God, let it take a hold of their heart. Let it take a hold of their heart. Just like the Israelites, they didn't know that that Elam was waiting for them. They were looking for it. They were hoping for it. They were praying for it. And what you gave to them and what you brought to them was so much less than what they were asking for. But they did not give up hope in the midst of their Mara place. And there was an Elam. There was an oasis in their tomorrow, Father. And we say, let it be that the Elam that is waiting for every person that's in a Mara place today, we say, let it come. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said together, amen. amen. All right, we got some ground to cover tonight. We might get off the clock a little bit. We'll see. <clears throat> that's just a little disclaimer, all right? All right, 1 Corinthians 1.10. 1 Corinthians 1.10. 1 Corinthians 1.10. That's gonna be our launch point tonight as we're talking about the beyond, as we're casting some vision tonight about what we feel like God is speaking to us about our future as a church. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says this, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I want to read that last part again. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. So when we were on vacation in the Outer Banks this summer, uh, we were there, and, and we, had, we had not been there long, and, and the reading plan that I did last year was I read through the New Testament. Uh, I know the church was on a different one, but I felt like I was just supposed to dig around in the New Testament for the whole year. And so I was in 1 Corinthians that first week of our vacation. So I'm sitting in my chair, I'm looking out over the sound, and I'm reading, and I read this verse, and, and all of a sudden I feel God speak to me, Fred, I want to talk to you about the church. So God, I don't have anywhere to be for the next two weeks, right? Yeah, I'm a captive audience. And so one of the things I felt like God began to speak to me was that in this verse, what you find is that Paul is teaching the church of Corinth something deep about vision that we need to get a hold of as a church. Paul is saying, hey, if, if, the, if, if the church of Corinth, which he was writing to, which he didn't know then, but we know now, God was inspiring him to give us scripture, which now would become a model that scripture would be instructional for all believers for all of time. And so he's writing to them, but God's really writing to us. And what he's saying is, hey, if your church is going to be in harmony, if it's going to be of one mind, it needs to be united in both thought and purpose. And I felt like God said to me, Fred, the City Life Church has a great message vision. This idea of being united in thought. It, it means that you have a, a message vision. That you've got a good sense of what God has given you to say. Different churches have a different message that they bring to the community that they're in. And ours is heaven now, heaven forever. God gave us that message years ago. We talk about it all the time. It's this idea that eternal life is not just measured on the, on the time continuum. It's 
measured on the depth continuum. He doesn't just want us to live forever. He wants us to live full. John 10.10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest possible measure. Psalm 27.13, I would have lost heart if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Heaven now, heaven for That's the message we feel that God has given to us. There's three groups of people at the beginning of our celebrating our year, talked about the undevoted, talked about the disconnected, talked about the disciple. This message, heaven now, heaven forever to the undevoted is a message of liberty. It's the person that's never made a vow of devotion to Christ and something inside of them is aching for the liberty that they've yet to discover. To the disconnected, to the person that loves Jesus but that's been hurt by the church. This message that we have to them is a message of community. It's saying come back and rediscover, come on the Elam, the oasis of community. It's a Rehoboth as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. To the discipled, it's a message of maturity. We want to be a church that challenges. Even if you've been running after God for 50 years, we want to be a church that's given you a vision for the more that God has for you. We feel like we've got this thing dialed in, that God's, because he's spoken it to us. We've been working with this thing and kneading it and wrestling it and shaping with it for all of these years. And, and so I'm sitting there in the Outer Banks. I feel like God's saying, Fred, this idea of a message vision, you, that, that's, it's good, but there's a mission vision component that you've got to discover. You, 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 you guys have dialed in what you're supposed to say. Now let's talk about what you're supposed to do. And when you get the message and the mission working together, come on, there's a harmony that the church will find that it's never had before. No vision is complete until there is both a message and a mission. A message vision and a mission vision. We're here tonight to talk about, and we're going to be in Williamsburg tomorrow morning talking about the mission vision that we feel that God has spoken to us. Fathers, we dig into this tonight. We say, have your way with us. That song that we sang, God, about we're waiting and we're, we're listening. God, what a great song to send us into this moment. We want to continue to wait. We want to continue to listen. God, we want everything that you have for us in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, amen, amen. See, this idea of getting both the message and the mission right, it's important. Now, I'm not going to go to these verses, but if you're a note taker, we've taught on them before, but I just wanted to point back to them as we're kind of laying some foundation tonight. Exodus 17, 6 and Numbers 28 through 12, it's talking about Moses that on their journey of the Exodus, when they get to another place where there's no water, God says to Moses, I want you to strike the rock with your staff, and when he strikes the rock, water flows. Now, Juice and I were at the Elam Conference, which is the group that we're associated with as a church, and uh, we heard uh, Bob Sorge teach, an amazing Bible teacher. He was just unlocking this, these texts, and so we've taught it many times here, but just want to give a nod to Pastor Bob Sorge and that revelation. But, but in, in Exodus 17, 6, in Numbers 28 through 12, what you find is that, that he strikes the rock the first time, and then the next time he gets to the rock, which is later in their journey, God says, this time I want you to speak to the rock. But Moses doesn't speak to the rock. He does what? He strikes it again, right? And, and, and I've always read that and thought, wow, he's, he paid a really high price for what seemed like a really small mistake. Because God says, hey, because you struck it and you didn't speak to it, you will not enter the promised land, right? It just seems unfair. It's like as parents sometimes, we, right, our punishment is in our anger and we punish beyond what the, the mistake that our child deserves. And every time I've read that story, I've, I've kind of felt that towards, towards God. And so Bob Sorge, he unlocks this. He said, hey, God is writing a story in the world. He has a message that he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to bring to the world, and you and I are a part of it. He's invited us to be a part of the message that he's bringing to the world about who Jesus is. And when we mess with that message, it's a big deal. See, because what God was saying to Moses the first time, I want you to strike the rock. He wasn't just giving water to the people. He was writing a story of a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. I'm going, I want you to strike the rock because that's a prophetic picture of Jesus' body being broken for the sins of the world so living water could flow. And then when it came later, he was supposed to speak to the rock as a prophetic picture that Jesus only has to die once and then forever only people have to come to the rock and speak and confess and receive the living water that flows. It's powerful, isn't it? God has a message, and his message matters. His message is, is important, and he gives us the privilege to be a part of bringing the message, but there's a great responsibility that comes with being a part of the story to get it right. See, what we see here with the Israelites is they got so focused on the mission that they forgot about the importance of the message. 
One cannot be out in front of the other. We've been a church that's had a message that's out in the front, and now I think God is saying, I want to talk to you about a mission. And as we begin to focus on this mission as a church, we're committing to each other, we're not going to lose sight of our message. The mission is only important to the degree that it brings the message that God has given. Turn to clear vision. Love this picture. I had my outline all ready for the message tonight, and this week, Pastor Jamie and I were, were working with some of these images, and as we were looking at it, we were just in their office together talking about it, I realized that there, there are four things that are, that are stamped onto this viewfinder on the top of the Empire State Building. I realized this is, this is my sermon on this viewfinder, right? Some, somebody designed that thing decades ago, and I'm thinking, God, come on, you made that just for me for tonight. Turn to clear vision, quarters only, 50 cents, to operate turn handle one full turn. Everybody get their quarter when they came in tonight? Come on, everybody got their quarter? All right. That's not so you can get bubble gum at the, at the grocery store later, right? Which probably doesn't even cost a quarter anymore, does it? All right, so make sure you hold on to that. We're gonna be talking about that tonight. Talking about that turn to clear vision. Turn to clear vision. So I want to talk a little bit about vision tonight. So, so JJ's going to come up and help me. He's got a spot there that we we Don't you want to just go to wherever that is? I don't even know where that is. I want to sit in that chair. Come on. I could write amazing sermons from that spot. Couldn't you, right? All right, all right. So, so this right here between me and JJ, this is 20 feet. So if you have 20-20 vision, it's a benchmark for normal sight. So if he had an eye chart down there, and I'm here, and, 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 and I'm getting an eye test, I would be able to see both with my left eye and my right eye certain things on that eye chart at a 20-foot distance. You tracking with me? If I have 20-40 vision, it means that what I see here is what the same thing somebody else would see who's 40 feet away right? If I have 20-15 vision, I've got really good vision. It means that what I see here is the same thing that somebody would see who's five feet in front of me. You tracking? All right, thanks, JJ. Come on. Can you give it up for JJ? Participating. There's a benchmark for natural sight. There's a benchmark so that, that you can communicate and understand. If you go to an ophthalmologist and you need glasses or an optometrist, I get all those confused, but one of them Dr. Kearney is and can help you if you need it. <laughs> right? There's, there's a way that, that we can communicate how good we can see with, with, our, with our natural body. There is a benchmark that God gives us for spiritual vision. There, there's a benchmark in God's word so that if we're trying to understand what's my, what's my vision like, how can I see as a child of God, there's a benchmark that's given to us and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. All right, and I'm not going to read all of this together. I'm going to jump down. I'm going to start in verse 8. I got it all up there if you're a note taker. It says, but the rulers of this world have not understood. If they had, they would have not have crucified our, our glorious Jesus. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, so many people use this text to talk about the goodness of God. That's fair, but it's secondary. Primary, Paul is talking about spiritual vision. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except through that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except through God's own spirit. And listen to what it says in verse 12. We, these are people that have made a vow of devotion to Christ, have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Listen, let me read that again. So we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. And then if you go on and continue reading, it's the famous text that talks about us having the mind of Christ. 
When, when you make a vow of devotion to Christ, we like to use the phrase, you take your first spiritual breath, and the Spirit of God comes alive inside of you. There is now a standard. There is now a benchmark. There is a promise that is given to you, and there is a promise that is given to me that things that we will never be able to see with our natural eye or understand with our natural mind, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal them to us so that we can see into God's heart, and because we have the mind of Christ, now that we are a child of God, we can discern those things that we now see. This is one of the responsibilities that we have as devoted followers of Christ, is to say, God, I know you gave me these eyes, but I know that there's eyes on the inside of me. I want those eyes to work, and I want them to work well. I want to be a person that's always looking deep and asking the question, God, what's in your heart for me? I want to see what's in your heart for me, and that's our cry together as a church. And so when we came back from our vacation, I began to talk with the governance team. I began to talk with them. We, we do what we call a concentric circle model of leadership. If you're new to the church, you can hear about that in Discovering City Life, which we're starting next, next weekend. And we talk about this idea of how we move forward and making decisions here. So I came and began to share with the governance team what I felt like God had spoken to me. And we began to work it out and talk about it. What is God trying to help us to see? And then we took it to the Ministry Life Team Council, which is all the directors of the ministry. And then we took it to C Squared, which is all the leaders in the church. And we laid it before them. And we said, this is what we feel like God is showing us for the next six years. As we were on vacation, I felt like God said to me, hey, these things that I'm talking to you about, Fred, I, I want this to be the focus of the church through 2020. I want it to be all the way through the end of this six-year time period. And as we've been working together over these last few months, we believe that God has showed us some things that are in his heart. And can we just say, this is how we want to live together as a church for the rest of our lives believing that there are things in God's heart for us. He's not a hider, he is a revealer, and it's part of the work in the ministry and the promise of the Holy Spirit to our lives. I believe God spoke to me about a 2020 vision, not just to reveal to us our mission for the next six years, but to also remind us that our normal needs to be the sort of supernatural vision that God speaks of in 1 Corinthians 2. This is 2020 vision for the devoted follower of Christ. It's not supposed to be the exception. It's not for the super spiritual. It's not like Paul saying, one day, Church of Corinth, when you're as great as me, you might be able to see what I can see. Right? That's not what he writes. He's saying, come on. You, the same spirit that's in me is in you. God loves you just as much as he loves me. There are things in his heart that he wants us to see. Let's believe that we can see them together. Let's believe that for us today as a church. So back in the fall, we talked about 2015 was going to be a year of hope for us. We pray and ask God to give us kind of a word or a phrase to, that's kind of our theme for the year. And so that launched our sermon series, if you've been with us, uh, Project Hope. And we were in that for months. And, and this is not displacing that. In fact, it's joining it. And what I would say to you tonight is that we're in a season of hope with a vision for the beyond. We're in a season of hope with a vision for the beyond. See, if you're in a place and this idea of hope is, is, is speaking to you deeply, kind of like what we were talking about before, that you're in this place of, of Mara, you might be saying, Fred, I, I, just, I don't even want to look out on the horizon to see what might be out there because I just don't have what it takes to run after it. What I would say to you is look up and look out anyways. That God can show you things that are far out, and I'm telling you the hope of the Elam that he would show you that's in your tomorrow begins to minister to the pain that you have in your today. Don't, if you're in a place, in a, in a season, a, a mar place, and you need this year to be a year of hope for you, then we're saying, come on, that's what God has spoken to us as a church. This is a year of hope, but it's also this time for us to look out and see into the great beyond. You might say, Fred, well, that makes me a little bit nervous because, you know, I just, I feel like I'm coming to the church and I'm wounded and I'm worn out and I want to find a place that matches my pace. And I would say that's the worst mistake that you could ever make. If you're in a hurt place, if you're in a Mara place, if, if you're in a Perez place like we talked about last week, if you need to find your Rehoboth like we talked about two weeks ago, you don't want to find a place that can match your pace. You want to find a place that can give you a new pace that can help you in the healing of the brokenness of your life. Some people are excited about that. <laughs> I know because the rest of you are just deep in reflection. <laughs> They're hungry for meat and pie. That's the truth of it, right? Our blood sugar's dropping. All right, quarters only. Quarters only. See, I love this phrase because it speaks to me about the sovereignty of God. 
See, because there's times I think that God brings us to where he says you pick. You can go this way or you can go that way. There's other times where he comes to us and he says, go that way. And it's not negotiable. It's a quarters only path. God, I got five dimes. We'll go find two quarters because that's not going to cut it. Right? There's, there's, there's times in our life where God says, this is the way, walk in it. And I believe we're in a place like that as a church where he's saying, I'm going to give you some specific things that I want you to go after. And I get to decide. This is part of this idea of you getting a quarter is that that we're asking you as a church that we're going to pray for ourselves, that we're going to have the discipline to not negotiate the things that God has given to us. That we're going, to, we're going to believe God for the strength of character because when, when God brings you to a place where he gives you a, a mission vision, there's going to be temptation from the enemy and there's going to be testing from the Father, right? And so we know that tonight, because we're getting public with it, there's going to be both temptation and there's going to be testing that's waiting for us. And so what we're saying together, we're going to pray together with the church that we're going to press on to the path that God has given, that God has chosen. It's a quarter's only path. We understand that this mission is going to be at the exclusion of other opportunities. We don't want to be busy doing good things. We want to be active pursuing our God-inspired mission vision, right? Come on, you should clap for that. See, there's all kinds of noble causes that we can get behind, right? If, if we took the time tonight, we could be here for the rest of the night and come up with a list that would fill these walls with amazing things that we can do. But we just don't want to be busy doing good things. We want to say, God, what's the mission vision? The, 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 the places that you have us to go to bring the message that you've given us to speak. All right, so here's my first one. You ready? I'm going to give you three tonight. Two that are really specific and one that's a little bit more general. The first one is this that we're committed to see a school of leadership and discipleship launched here at the City Life Church. And I'm going to get on my notes a little bit here because i got some points that I want to I I cover for you. One, one, one day I hope that we're going to become a southern campus for the Elam Bible Institute. So Elam, the, the network that we are a part of, has, a, has a, a Bible college that's up in Lima, New York. And so we've already opened up a conversation with them. We said one, one day we would like to be a southern campus of Elam Bible Institute. And so they've just given us some direction for how that needs to get started. And so our first step is going to be, which we hope we will launch in September, will be a nine-month internship program. A nine-month internship program, right? It's a, it's a seed that we're going to get planted that we think can, can grow into something bigger. Now, initially, it's going to be geared to our CYPers. Come on, the population of our college young professionals. But, we, but that's just because it needs to have a place to start, and then it's going to grow out from there, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dream a big dream, and don't despise a small beginning, all right? So initially, it's going to be geared to our college young professionals. Um, we, we have a great model to follow. Uh, pastors Tom and Gail uh, years ago had an impact school of ministry at what was then Christian Life Center. It's now Life Church in, in, uh, in, in Williamsburg, but they had an amazing school. Uh, Jenna went through that school. Celeste went through that school. Carrie went through that school. So many people that are part of our church went through the impact school of ministry. And so we have some great models that we can look back to. We don't have to reinvent everything. And so Jenna uh, is going to work with me to form a team that's going to do some strategic planning to see this thing launched in September. And so, all right, so let's stop and pray now, and we're going to go to the next one. Father, we lift up this moment to you. Father, we lift up this school of leadership and discipleship, God, that we believe that you have called us to build, God. We, we thank you for, for forerunners that have gone before us. I think of Cortez, who's here tonight, God, who has the catalyst effect, and a ministry that's doing that same thing here, Father. We say, show, show us the people we're supposed to partner with. Who are the people that we're supposed to work with, God? That we, we, we commit ourselves as we hold this quarter in our hand tonight, Father, that this is a path that you're asking us to walk in. We say, let it be that you would find us faithful. We're going to see a Saturday night Southside campus launch. Come on. So Denise Thomason for the last nine years, right, has been throwing up the Southside gang symbol and walking around right with the Southside. So all these years, so many people have been coming across the water uh, to be a part of the City Life Church, even from its inception when it launched at Regal Cinema over off of Victory Boulevard. And so we, we just believe that now is the time. We, we believe it's the time that God has called us to say that we want to see a Saturday night campus that's launched there. It could be anywhere from 12 to 24 months off. That, that I don't, that's not uh, from God. That's just my practical mind looking at it. It could be sooner or it could be longer. We don't know the answer to that question. What we know is that God has said, plant it. 
and, and, and begin to put, so this is another thing, we're going to put together a team of people that are going to do some strategic planning that says, ask, ask the question, what, does, what needs to happen? What we know needs to happen is there needs to be a nucleus, and Nate and Laura Nowatney are, are selling their home. They're moving to the south side, and uh, I know, come on, it's huge, it's big, right? It's Isaiah. Here I am, send me. And so they're going to help to anchor that uh, as elders here, a part of our governance team. Uh, they're going to be a part of seeing that. Uh, we've, we've, the, all of these things we've shared with our leadership team. God might call some of you to sell your home and move there to be a part of that work. Just like he called people to leave Williamsburg and come here and be a part of this work. People have already started to come forward in our leadership team and said, I feel like God's speaking to me about being a part of that group. And so I'm keeping what I call the list, right, of people that come so that you can't wiggle out of it when it's time to follow her. All right, now. All right, a couple of other things. What else do I have on here for the Southside campus? So let, let, me, t- let, me, let me talk about why, too, because uh, there, there's, a, there's, there's an encounter I had with, with, with God seven years ago. It was, we came here in, in, uh, in October of 2007, actually moved here in November, but that summer when we had committed to come here to be a part of the staff team uh, for City Life, uh, we got a call that there was a young family in the church who just had their second child, and, and their child was, was in, the, uh, was in neonatal intensive care at the Portsmouth Naval Hospital. And uh, so I didn't, we didn't know this family, but, but, but our hearts were already here. You know, and, and we just wanted to love on this family. And so we got that call early evening. So I hopped in my car and uh, drove down here uh, to Portsmouth uh, Naval Hospital and uh, was able to get on base there and go up in. And the, 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 uh, the young couple, the parents were not there. And so I was able to talk my way into the nurse to let me in, right? You start throwing around clergy and all that stuff, right? It puts pressure on people, right? I need a, I need a shirt with a collar in case of emergencies, right? <laughs> Just in case, I really need to, to work my way in. So they let me back in, right? And so, so I'm standing there praying for this, for this child and, uh, who, who has lived, and it's an amazing story, testimony of the healing power of Christ in this young boy's life. And, 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 so, and so on the way home that night, I, uh, I was going to come back through the monitor Merrimack, and I said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive. I'm going to take Route 17. I'm going to come that way, right? Because I'm going to be down in this region. I want to pray. And so, so sometimes I go on prayer drives. just want to drive around and pray. And so, so I'm going to pray. And so I was somewhere between 664 and, and, and the James River Bridge. I don't know where, but somewhere on that stretch, somewhere on that stretch. And as I'm driving, I felt like God speak to me, the City Life Church is going to be here. I remember stopping for gas and calling Vanessa and telling her, and because and, and, I'm thinking to myself, good God, we're not even there yet. We're going to move the church from Newport News to the south side. That's just, that's not going to go well, God, right? This is, this is not a good thing. This is not a, a good idea. And, and, and it just I felt like God stilled my heart and said, hey, I'm not talking about something that's today. I'm talking about something that's beyond. And I've been telling that story to the governance team for years now that that, that, that moment I have known that, that, that we're going to plant over there. And, and I didn't know when, and I, and I didn't know how, but, but we know the, the, the when, even though we're still trying to work out the how. That there is, a, there is something that we're supposed to do with our message, and that's supposed to become a part of our mission, and we're excited to see it come to fruition. So Father, we pray for this Southside campus that's going to be, that, that one day, soon coming, God, as we're here doing what we're doing right now, that there's City Life Church just across the water doing the same thing. Same time, same place, God, same heart, same DNA, same passion, God, same message, same mission. We say, Father, let it be that it would come. Find us faithful. Find us faithful. So this is the last part. I believe that we're supposed to keep planting for the next six years. This is part of what we feel like as a leadership team that God is, we don't know how many, we don't know the frequency, but we know that God is saying for these next six years, get some tunnel vision. That, that as many campuses as you're able to plant, as he makes it possible for us, we're just gonna see them planted. And so I'm just telling you my prayer. This isn't the, the, the mission of the church. I'm just telling you that my dream. When I look at a map, I see 64 coming in from the west. I see the HRBT on the east. I see the Coleman Bridge north of us. And you see the Monitor Merrimack and the James River Bridge south of us. And my, my prayer is, God, what are we supposed to do inside of these corridors and beyond them? What are we supposed to do inside of these corridors 
and beyond them. And I believe, come on, there's a spiritual vision that is promised to you and that's promised to me when we dig in 1 Corinthians 2. As we did, there's a 2020 vision. There's a clarity that God wants us to find. He knows the answers to all of those questions and he's gonna show it to us. We're gonna see it in his heart and because we have the mind of Christ, we're gonna discern it and together we're gonna be able to see it come to fruition. 50 cents. See, we gave each of you one quarter, even though it takes two to make this machine work, because we'll never be able to do it by ourselves. You've got to take your life and join it to the lives of the people that are in this room. This is not a mission for any one person. It's a mission for a family. And so we're giving you these quarters tonight, not just so that you can pray, not just so that you can pray that our church is going to be faithful in this mission that he's given to us, but that we ourselves will be faithful to take the quarter that we are, the gifts and the talents that he's given to us, and that we will invest them in here if he's called this to be our home and to be able to go to the places that he's called us to go. So I'm going to talk about three pathways. All right, I did that one already. All right, three pathways. I'm going to talk about three. First one is this. Now, in our series that we're in that we push the pause button on, it's called the Praxis. And you can get on to, the, to our podcast and you can hear the last couple of weeks and then we're going to get into it for the next couple of weeks after this. But we've got a discipleship model called the 1, the 6, the 12, and the 24 that we've created here at the church. And uh, we're going to get into the 12 next week. There are 12 pathways. Many people call them spiritual disciplines. We call them pathways because they take you somewhere. And so I want to focus in on three just briefly tonight. The first one is service. When we re- when we read 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4, there's only one conclusion. God made each of us to help build his kingdom. Find your place to serve here at the City Life Church. Find your place, right? We we cannot read scripture and not come to the conclusion that he created us to be a part of something. There's talents and passions and abilities that you have that you, God gave you breath for many reasons. But one of the reasons he gave you breath was to build his church. One of the reasons why he gave you breath is to get a hold of the message that he wants you to bring to the world about Jesus and the, and the specific mission that you're called to go on. And if you're called to the City Life Church, what we're saying is this is the mission that we feel like we've been praying into for months that we feel like God is saying run after this thing and you have something to contribute and there's no contribution that's too small every person has a place to connect in and to serve every person has something some weight that you can get and you might say well Fred I'm, I'm telling you I'm just one of those people and I've talked with some of you you're coming from a broken place you're coming from a hurt place we we will carry you until you're ready to run with us we'll put you on a spiritual stretcher and take you along until you're ready to run with us after this thing. But even if you were in the most broken of places and you're coming from a church experience that just devastated you, I'm telling you, there's at least something that you can get into. And and if you don't, I'm telling you, it will postpone the healing that needs to come. Even if the only thing that you can do is hold a child and give them goldfish in the nursery, I'm telling you, you are building the kingdom in that place. Come on. Generosity. 2014 was the most generous year in the history of this church. I cannot wait for the business meeting at the end of February. We do open books. We do open mics for you to ask questions. It's going to be an exciting time for us as a church. It was the most generous year of our church. Over $450,000 in giving between both campuses and over $30,000 in faith promise. Come on. Huge for us, for the size church that we are. But look at that number. Even with that, that's only 65% of both campuses actively giving. Only 25% of of the church, we don't look at the giving numbers, the elders look at that, the trustees look at that and create data for us so we can understand where we are as a benchmark. Only 25% of the church practices tithing. That should be 50%. That that number's got to double. If you're called here, God's called you to that place of walking in the biblical principle of tithing. We teach on that a couple of times a year, right? So so our data now, 25% tithe, 20% 20% give regularly, 20% give sporadically, and 35% give nothing at all ever. And these are the people that call us their home church. Those numbers have got to change for us as a church. They have to change. Now, I know that that number, by way of a percent of people that give nothing, there's always going to be some numbers there, right? People that are in crisis, people that are new to faith and are not ready to invest financially, that number is not ever going to be zero, but I think it should always be less than 15%. It should certainly not be 35. 
I think it should be 50% of the people that call this their home church should be walking in the principle of tithing. I think about 15% we'll see regularly, and that population of people should be turning over, right? People coming out, new people coming in, and so I think that leaves 35% to be spread out between people that give regularly and then people that give sporadically. That, that Those things have got to change for us as a church if we're going to see this thing fulfilled, I think, at the pace that God wants to see it fulfilled. All right, the last one is this, gathering. You need to be around the deposit of God in others, and others need to be around the deposit of God in you. And Acts, we see that the church was born not just because God moved, but because people gathered. In the book of Acts, we see the church is born not just because God moved, but because people gathered. When you read in the book of Acts, you find that people had a sense of expectation. They had a sense of excitement. They had a sense of enthusiasm about getting together with the people of God, to be, to be around the deposit of God that was in them and to bring the deposit of God that was in their life. We want to see that culture as a church, that, that we want to see a packed house week in and week out, not because we're trying to meet some number, but because we recognize that gathering is a pathway, and when that pathway gets activated in your life, you begin to come alive, and as you're alive, you bring that with you into the church. God wants to use you to touch other people here every weekend. If Williamsburg is your campus, we're going to be talking about it there. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves slipping into a casual approach to this idea of gathering. Gathering has always been a cornerstone, an essential part of the vitality of any church and the growth that needs to come. We have a mission that God has called us to, and this idea of gathering has got to change for us as a church where it's hard to find a seat week in and week out. Not just on anniversary nights, not just on Easter. You with me? That every week there should be a sense of excitement inside of you that says, I can't wait for services this weekend. And I made a vow of devotion to Christ in, 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 in 1990. You might say, well, Fred, that's a part of your life because, because it's, your, it's your vocation. It, it wasn't my vocation for 10 years. And I was just as excited then as I am now to be around the people of God. And what we're saying is let that come alive in all of us together. One full turn. Oh, I'm doing good. Come on. I'm going to invite the worship team. Patting myself on the back here. One full turn. Invite the worship team to come back up. See that last phrase on the bottom there? It says, to operate, turn handle, one, one full turn. Genesis eleven six. Oh, come on, this is a good story. Genesis eleven six. I'm going to start reading in verse 5. The Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Right, this is the Tower of Babel. Verse 6, look, he said, the people are united. Come on. They are united. They all speak the same language. Right? They have a message, vision. And after this, nothing they will set out to do because they have a mission, vision, will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand. See, God confused them because the mission that they gave themselves to was not the mission that they were called to. And the message that they had taken hold of was not the message that God had for them. They said, right, their message was we need to make a name for ourselves. That's what they want. That was their message. They, they, want, to, they want to make a name for themselves. And so their, their mission was to build this tower that would reach into the heavens. See, they got the message and the mission wrong. But it's a powerful statement that God says here. Because see, even when the message and the mission that you have is not from God, God himself says, if you're united in those things, nothing will be impossible for you. So I'm asking the question tonight of ourselves, what would happen if the message we get is from him and the mission that he gives to us is found in his heart? What can we do? Nothing is impossible. If nothing is impossible for people who are wayward, what's waiting for those who are devoted? And so what we're saying tonight as a church, let's not be those people. Let's for the rest of our lives 
look into the heart of God and say, God, what's the message that you have for me? And what's the mission that you want to take me on? And believing that when we come together, united in both thought and purpose, when the vision is both a message vision and a mission vision, that the harmony that we will walk in together as a church, for your name's sake, God, we say that nothing is impossible. How many campuses would come? How soon could that school be launched? What more will we find in your heart for us? God, we have one shot at this life that when we get to the end, we don't want to be worn out, but I sure do want to be a little tired. Building the kingdom that you've caused us to build. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said together, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. Let's worship together. Say! 